the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Who's singing this one? There's so many renditions of this. Bobby Holmes? Are you fa- Helms? Are you familiar with him? Well, everybody, Dennis Prager here. Great to be with you in this, my favorite season of the year. It's a, it's a, a difficult time we're living through. So the uh, president of Harvard will not be leaving. I'm actually happy about that. Uh, she deserves to leave, and everybody knows that, and that's the reason I'm happy about it, because uh, it, uh, it, it completely, uh, she, she has no status. She has a title, but she has no status. That's the reason, and that's what I, uh, I believe is important for people to understand. See, something really good is happening. The, uh, the broad American public is beginning to uh, understand the wasteland that our elite universities are, and, and by extension, all of our universities. Do you know what I discovered? I want to I get this up here. <laughs> this, is <laughs> this will even fascinate my producer which I, I consider one of my standards of whether something is really, really fascinating. So I actually sent this to myself. I have no idea how I discovered this. Uh, yeah, okay. I had, a, I had a, an, a column in the Los Angeles Times on October 9th, 2005, do you realize I, I, I was writing for the L.A. Times that late? Do you realize how rapidly it has become a left-wing rag sheet? A useless, predictable, unicellular uh, newspaper. Uh, I, I, now, so I saw, maybe somebody sent it to me. Here is the title in uh, of the article from October 9th 2005 
We're talking over 18 years ago when young Jews major in anti-Semitism. That is the, that is the title of the book, of the, of the uh, column, yeah. which is two very important points here. How old, three, how old this issue is, the anti-Semitism of the campuses, Two, how the Los Angeles Times has radically changed. And three, how long ago I was right. And you'll say I'm blowing my horn or tooting my own horn. I don't care. That's fine. I I have been saying things that are true and never alone. I've never claimed to be the only one saying these, but one of the only ones. When I said that the that the lockdowns were a catastrophe in April 2020, uh, I I was I was almost universally condemned. Uh, I'd like to make a list. Listen to this again. 18 years ago, American Jewry is experiencing a cognitive dissonance the likes of which it has never known. To illustrate, consider my recent lecture in Virginia Beach, Virginia, anti-Semitism at the universities, what can we do about it? I lectured in Virginia in 2005, anti-Semitism at the universities. It is very significant that a mainstream, that is largely secular and liberal, Jewish organization, the Jewish Community Center, would fly a speaker from across the country to speak on anti-Semitism at universities. To understand how significant, one must appreciate how much Jews revere the university. First, education has a religion-like status in both religious and secular Jewish life, and the university is romantically thought of as the temple of education. Second, the university is regarded as the key vehicle to professional success. Third, the university is the most secular of all major institutions, and many Jews believe in secularism as much as Orthodox Jews believe in Judaism. Fourth, for many Jews, happiness is largely dependent on deriving pride and joy from their children, and nothing gives them more than being able to tell people that their child attends a prestigious university. Yet universities have become society's primary breeding ground for hatred of Israel. This is really important that I wrote it this long ago. It would be important if anybody did. Now I'm not the issue. Universities have become society's primary breeding ground for hatred of Israel. 2005. This hatred is often so intense that the college campus has become a haven for people who use anti-Zionism to mask their anti-Semitism. That's my article, by the way, my column, my Tuesday column up today is, yes, anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Talk about that in the third hour of the show. Moreover, anti-Zionism itself is a form of anti-Semitism, even if some Jews share it. Why? Because anti-Zionism is not simply criticism of Israel which is as legitimate as criticism of any country. Anti-Zionism means that Israel as a Jewish state has no right to exist. And when a person argues that only one country in the world is unworthy of existence, 
And that happens to be the one Jewish country in the world one is engaged in anti-Semitism, whether personally anti-Semitic or not. And I then, I, I now, I remember this now, I, this anecdote I'm, I wrote about in the LA Times in 2005. Not long ago on my radio show, I invited a UCLA student who, on the occasion of Israel's birthday, had written a hate-filled article about the Jewish state in the Bruin the UCLA school newspaper. I asked her if she had always been anti-Israel. She said that as a Jewish girl growing up in Britain, she was actually a Zionist who had visited Israel a number of times on Jewish student trips there. What changed you, I asked. The university, she responded. Wow. This I didn't remember either. Listen to this. That sort of transformation may be what inspired Harvard University's president, Lawrence Summers, to deliver a speech in which he identified the university as replacing the far right as a center of anti-Semitism. Wow. Isn't that something? He was the only non-leftist president of Harvard, almost in in at least the last, I don't know, 25 more years or more years where anti-Semitism and views that are profoundly anti-Israeli have traditionally been the primary preserve of poorly educated right-wing populists Summers warned profoundly anti-Israel views are increasingly finding support in progressive intellectual communities serious and thoughtful people are advocating and taking actions that are anti-Semitic in their effect, if not their intent. Okay, just thought I would share that with you. I have no idea how I discovered it. I wonder if that was the last time the Los Angeles Times printed me. The Los Angeles Times, I'm I'm not aware of any time that the Los Angeles Times has a... uh, has a conservative opinion piece. They certainly don't have a conservative columnist. Unless you consider Jonah Goldberg. Well, yeah, but Jonah Goldberg is not a leftist. He's not a, he, and to you know, I have uh, look. We have videos with Jonah Goldberg. I have I have respect for Jonah Goldberg. I wonder if he would write the, what is it? The liberal roots of fascism. Is that the, is that his t- the book? It's a major book. Yeah. Wonder if he would write that today. I assume so. Well, if 18 years ago I spoke about the university as the center of anti-Semitism in America, and the Harvard University professor said the same thing, you now know what's happening. My friends, I'm asking you to go online at DennisPrager.com and click on the Angel Tree Christmas banner to help make Christmas a reality for children with a mother or father in prison this holiday season. When you give today, your tax-deductible donation will combine with that of my other listeners to give 17,000 children of prisoners the joy of an Angel Tree Christmas, a special Christmas gift plus the Bible and a personalized note from their incarcerated parent. 
It's a be- very beautiful thing this Christian organization is doing. You don't have to be a Christian to believe it's beautiful. So please call 888-206-2801, 888-206-2801, or go to DennisPrager.com and click on the Angel Tree banner to bless a child this Christmas. Thank you. Frosty what year is this one from, Frosty the Snowman? Oh, it's the Beach Boys. Did you know it was the Beach Boys? They're amazing. Well, I am going to read to you something with uh, that it will be hard for you to hear. I think we're morally obligated to know about evil. So I, I have, from very early age, I forced myself to read about what people have done to other people. That's why I have such contempt for the notion that human beings are basically good. It, it is that human nature is basically good. I mean contempt. It's not that I just differ. Uh, it, it's when an adult lives in make-believe land, it is not impressive. I'll be as kind as I can with regard to those who say human nature is basically good. So here is Peggy Noonan, whom I've never read to you because I just was never inspired to, but this is this is something that will outlive her, this column in the Wall Street Journal. At first I didn't understand. Among Hamas's crimes of 10-7... Little children and babies murdered, some burned to death. Children forced to watch parents chased, beaten, and shot. Old couples murdered in their homes. Families who'd taken refuge in safe rooms burned out and killed. Kamas attempted to behead a kibbutz worker and killed old women standing at a bus stop. Women were abused, raped, it seems certain. But I didn't understand why from day one the last received such emphasis. Defenders of Hamas kept demanding proof and claiming there was no evidence, as if they were saying, sure, we behead people and kill infants, but raping someone? That's crossing a line. But now I understand what was done. It was grim and dreadful, but it was also systematic and deliberate. And since there's going to be a lot of 10-7 trutherism, there already is, we have to be clear about what happened. In the days after the attack, chaos reigned in the attack areas. At least 1,200 people had been murdered, their bodies scattered through Kibbutzim, and on the site of the Nova Music Festival. The crime scene was huge. The priority was identifying the dead and informing their families. Documentation of crimes was incomplete. Forensic evidence not always recorded. Evidence perishable. The testimony of witnesses, body collectors, and morgue workers came in unevenly. But it has built and is becoming comprehensive. A stunning report appeared last weekend in London's Sunday Times by reporter Christina Lamb. Bar 
Yuval Shani, a 58-year-old psychotherapist treating the families of victims, told Ms. Lamb she had been told by several witnesses of rape at the music festival. A police commander told Ms. Lamb, it's clear now that sexual crimes were part of the planning and the purpose was to terrify and humiliate people. Ms. Lamb quotes Yoni Saadon, 39, a father of four and shift manager in a foundry who was at the music festival. He said he hid as a young woman was raped and saw Hamas fighters capture another young woman near a car. She was fighting back, not allowing them to strip her. They threw her to the ground, and one of the terrorists took a shovel and beheaded her. This particularly uh, hit me, and there would be no way any of you would know why. I'm not even sure the living martyr who knows me really well knows this story. There was a man in my life for decades, a Jewish man, the generation older than me, who I discovered in Savannah, Georgia, on a speech there when I, and I would say in my 30s. So I, he was probably in his 50s. He was a cantor at a Savannah synagogue, and he, he was a Holocaust survivor. And he took to me, and I took to him, and unfortunately I lost the cassette. I recorded his experiences in a Nazi concentration camp. One of them was of a young Jewish boy who, like everyone else, all the other Jews in the camps, was starving. And some Nazi guard had thrown down a a candy wrapper. He had eaten the candy and thrown down the wrapper. The boy was sucking at the wrapper. That was against the rules. You only were allowed to eat what the Nazis gave you. And he used a shovel to decapitate the boy. And And here I read exactly that. This girl thrown, this young woman thrown to the ground. One of the terrorists took a shovel and beheaded her. I've never compared anyone to Nazis. The Palestinians have produced a lot of Nazis. In terms of sadism, in terms of genocidal intent. If you're pro-Palestinian and anti-Israel, your moral compass is not only broken, it actually goes in the wrong direction. There is something frightening about you. We didn't understand at first, Ms. Lamb, Ms. Lamb quoted, Kochav El-Kayam El, El Levi, a Hebrew University expert on international law who heads a commission into the Hamas crimes. She said survivors arriving at the hospitals weren't asked about sexual abuse or given rape kits. I'll continue.
MyPillow is excited to bring you their biggest bedding sale ever, just in time for Christmas. Get the Giza Dream Bed Sheets for as low as $29.98. A set of pillowcases only $9.98. Rejuvenate your bed with a MyPillow mattress topper for as low as $99.99. They also have blankets in a variety of sizes, colors, and styles. They even have blankets for your pets. Get duvets, quilts, down comforters, body pillows, bolster pillows, and so much more. All with the biggest discounts ever. They're also extending their money-back guarantee for Christmas until March 1st, 2024, making them the perfect gifts for your friends, your family, and everyone you know. So go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Prager or call 800-761-6302 and you'll get huge discounts on all MyPillow bedding products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets for as low as $29.98 and get all your shopping done now while quantities last. MyPillow.com, promo code Prager. No matter how far away you roam When you find Peggy Noonan is writing about the rapes of October 7th. So I'm up to the part where Christina Lamb, the London Sunday Times reporter, reported on this. Ms. Lamb quoted Kochav El-Kayam Levy, a Hebrew University expert on international law who heads a commission into the Hamas crimes. She said the survivors arriving at hospitals were not asked about sexual abuse or given rape kits, but those who volunteered to collect bodies started reporting that many of the women were naked and bleeding from the genitals. The commander of a unit of a volunteer religious organization that collects the remains of the dead told Ms. Lamb they collected 1,000 bodies in 10 days from the festival site and the kibbutzim. No one saw more than us. It seemed their mission was to rape as many as possible. Israel Defense Forces sources told the paper that Hamas fighters caught in Gaza reported in police interrogations that they had been instructed by superiors to dirty and whore, their quotes, the women. A few days after, I'm sure they uh, yelled out Allahu Akbar as they did it. A few days after the Sunday Times report came, one came one a few days after the Sunday Times report came, I, 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 there must be a word missing, one on the mounting evidence of violent sexual abuse from BBC correspondent Lucy Williamson. Several of those involved in collecting and identifying the bodies of the dead told the BBC that they had seen multiple signs of sexual assault, including... Broken pelvises. Broken pelvis in a rape. Bruises, cuts, and tears, and that the victims range from children and teenagers to pensioners. 
Video testimony of an eyewitness to the music festival shown to journalists by Israeli police, quote, detailed the gang rape, mutilation, and execution of one victim. The BBC saw videos, quote, videos of naked and bloodied women filmed by Hamas on the day of the attack. The gallant gents of Hamas were filming their own war crimes. That's the one arena in which they outed the Nazis. The Nazis hid it. Israeli police have privately shown journalists film testimony of a woman at the music festival. She describes Hamas fighters gang-raping a woman and then mutilating her. The last of her attackers shot her in the head. She said the men cut off parts of the woman's body during the rape. I'm sorry, folks. You have to know this. I'm I'm not finding it easy. It's the second time I'm reading it. In other videos, Ms. Williamson writes, women carried away by the terrorists appear to be naked or semi-clothed. Reuters on December 5th quoted an Israeli reservist who worked at a makeshift morgue. Often women came in in just their underwear, she said. I saw very bloody genitals on women. Reuters spoke to seven people, first responders and those dealing with the dead, who attested to the sexual violence. Reuters quotes written testimony from one volunteer who said he saw dozens of dead women in shelters. Their clothing was torn on the upper part, but their bottoms were completely naked. This Monday, a meeting at the United Nations laid out proof of the violent abuse in the New York Times. Reporter Catherine Rossman, reporters Catherine Rossman and Lisa Lehrer, quoted the testimony of Simcha Greinman, the volunteer collector of remains at the Kibbutzim. He said the body of one woman had, quote, nails and different objects in her female organs. And scum at universities are pro Hamas. Souls with new wild geese that fly with the moon on their wings. I'm subjecting you and me to a very difficult piece about the rape and mutilation and torture of women by Hamas. My heart goes out to you if you have a son or daughter who is pro-Hamas or who is even neutral between Hamas and Israel. And this, this, this I really had to stop myself from using a, one of the six for, or seven forbidden words on radio. This bull, this BS, that's it, this BS. Oh, well, Hamas, they're not the Palestinians. That's true. The Nazis were not the Germans. However, most Germans supported the Nazis. And overwhelmingly, the majority of Palestinians love Hamas. They adore them. They're their heroes. This Monday, a a meeting from Peggy Noonan in the Wall Street Journal. This Monday, 
that means last Monday, a meeting at the United Nations laid out proof of the violent abuse. In the New York Times, reporters Catherine Rossman and Lisa Lehrer quoted the testimony of Simcha Greinman, a volunteer collector of remains of the kibbutzim. He said the body of one woman had, quote, nails and different objects in her female organs. I wonder if they said Allahu Akbar while they did that. A person's genitals were so mutilated, quote, we couldn't identify if it was a man or a woman, unquote. Other women had mutilated faces. The head of the International Crime Investigations Unit of the Israeli police was asked how many women were abused. He said, I am talking about dozens. If half of this testimony is true, then what was done to the women at the music festival and in the kibbutzim wasn't a series of isolated crimes. It happened at scale as part of a pattern and with a deliberateness that strongly suggests it was systematic. The rape, torture, and mutilation of women looks as if it was part of the battle plan. Why has the progressive left in the West for two months now been disbelieving, silent, or equivocal about what Hamas did to women? Before she answers, let me answer. Because the progressive left is evil. That is the reason. The West has produced scum. It's really remarkable. I actually have greater loathing for a Western leftist than I do for Hamas because the, 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 the Hamas has grown up in an environment where this behavior is normative. But people in the West who support Hamas grew up in an environment where it was not normative. You have to desire to be despicable to be a Western leftist. It doesn't come naturally. Why has the progressive left in the West for two months now been disbelieving, silent, or equivocal about what Hamas did to women? One answer, she writes, is that the progressive left hates Israel and feels whatever is done to Israelis is justified. That's right. It's correct. Another is that the sick brutality of Hamas's actions undercuts its position in the world, undercutting, too, the cause they falsely claim to represent, that of the Palestinian people. I don't agree with Peggy Noonan. They don't falsely claim to represent their cause. They do represent the Palestinian cause. Okay, enough of this crap about the sweet Palestinian and the ugly Hamas. It's wishful thinking because people can't, wrap their minds around a body of people embracing sadism. Not all Palestinians, for the morons who monitor the show on the left, when you generalize, it is implied that it is not all. Not all Germans supported the Nazis. But Nazi Germany is a proper term. Hamas Palestine is a proper term. 
Another is that the sick brutality... Okay, I read that. Why have women's groups of the progressive left been silent? Because at bottom they aren't for women. They are for the team. I said this 25, 30, 40 years ago too. Feminist organizations couldn't don't give a damn about women. The males competing in their sports is a perfect example. They're just left-wing groups using women. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. I put Hanukkah first because we're right now in Hanukkah. Day six. And then it's all Christmas. I have on the line Bill O'Reilly, who needs no introduction, but in case uh, you have been uh, in a nuclear submarine for a couple of decades, he's the best-selling author host of the No Spin News podcast and radio show. And he is the author of this extraordinarily good series that I've been reading, the Killing series. I had him on for the last one, the one before that, Killing Witches. And Bill, welcome back to my show. Happy Hanukkah. Dennis, thanks for having me in. You know, there are 13 killing books, but there aren't that many presents in Hanukkah, right? Would you guys get six or seven? Oh, that's hilarious. You know, <laughs> I I grew up in a religious Jewish home. I I continue to have one. I th- This notion of getting a gift all eight days cracks me up. My suspicion <laughs> is, I'm serious, I suspect, and I've written books on Judaism. I, I know my religion. Uh, I suspect it was a way to make the kids who didn't have Christmas feel better. Yeah, like Hanukkah Harry on uh, Saturday Night Live. Um, in my neighborhood in Levittown, New York, uh, the the Jewish kids, um, they purloined Christmas, too. They had Hanukkah and a menorah. And actually, I had a menorah in my Irish house. No kidding. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then the uh, Jewish kids, you know, they'd pull me aside and go, okay, now, uh, what do we have to do to take part? <laughs> I just uh, to I take just part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there was a very good spirit 
of uh, interactivity between the Italian and Irish Catholics in Levittown and the Jews. Right. My and, block and was half really, Italian, half Jewish, and nobody yep. really knew who was who. <laughs> and we knew because some of the Jewish kids had to go to Hebrew school. Right, all right. Any, but but it, meant in, no, in, it didn't matter. No, absolutely right. And that's why it hurts me. Um, to see uh, what is devolved in America, um, particularly because I'm an alumnus of Harvard, and uh, to see this uh, emerge in 2023 when I thought we had put all this behind us. You know, I wrote a book called Killing the SS. Yep. And I, I recommend to every single listener of Dennis Prager that you read that book. Mm-hmm. It agree. is 100% true, and we document everything. And if you, after reading that book, if you don't understand the mentality of Jewish people all over the world, then you're hopeless. And well said. I submit to you that I could go out to these demonstrations at Harvard and at MIT and at Penn, Columbia, Cornell, on and on and on. And I could pull these demonstrators aside, and they would not be able to discuss anything about the Holocaust, World War II, about how the United Nations came up in 1948 with the division in Palestine. They wouldn't know anything about it, Dennis. That's right. Well said. And, and you know, to me, uh, all Americans should wise up and wise up fast. This is wrong, what's happening before our eyes. And the people who are promulgating it, the people who are enabling it, should be held accountable. So it's a very good uh, opening issue that I, uh, I'm going to raise with you. So you're an alumnus of Harvard. My sense right now, I went to Columbia, uh, just just only to, to note that I I have a relationship to the question I'm asking you. So I would say that the the prestige of these uh, Ivy League schools has taken a hit, the likes of which is, I think are unprecedented in American history. And it's justified. Because for decades, when I was at Harvard in the mid-90s, and I got a master's degree in public administration from the Kennedy School. And my time at Harvard was very, very positive. And I wrote a message of the day, which I do every day on BillOReilly.com, which is, you know, people should go in and take a look at what we are offering there. But my message today is that there's a Fox News broadcaster named Pete Hegseth. Yep. And he sent, he sent his Harvard degree back to them. No kidding. Yeah. In outrage about their conduct. I'm not going to do that. I value my Harvard degree. It was a different time and place as far as uh, how the school was being run. I had a tremendous dean, Graham Allison, who I still keep in touch with. He's the smartest guy on China in the world. You ought to have him on your broadcast sometime. You're right. He knows everything. Uh, And I'm not disappointed that I went there. What I am disappointed in is that for decades, this progressive left movement has literally taken over higher education in America, unobstructed. 97% of uh, people who teach at Harvard say they are liberal. They, they, that's how they describe themselves, 97%. 
You cannot have a government or a education system with that kind of monolithic thought process. You can't. And and so if you if you're a student at any of these institutions and you go in and you're not liberal, then you are subjected to untoward behavior. And that is the truth. And we cannot we have to stop this and it you can only stop it if you understand it. And I think everybody now, Dennis, they're getting it. That's right. That's what I was saying. The, the cachet has really been hurt. They're sort of committing, which is inevitable when the left takes over. They seem to be committing suicide, These the colleges. They don't see it that way. They see themselves as noble. They see Israel as a fascist state that persecutes uh, defenseless Palestinians. The world to them is all about skin color. So in order to understand the progressive movement, and by the way, they control the Biden White House, the progressive movement. Biden fears them, and so do the college presidents. They fear the progressive movement because the progressive movement can destroy you. And that's what I wrote about in Killing the Witches. This witch hunt, cancel culture, is generated 100% by the progressive movement, just as the blacklist in Hollywood in the 50s was generated by right-wingers like Senator McCarthy. It shifted now. So if you want to understand the progressive movement, it's about skin color. White men are evil, and they must pay for the sins of history. Netanyahu is evil. Israel is run by white men who are evil. And if you mention the name Golda Meir, they don't even know who that is. <laughs> I mean, this, this is let, let alone that half of Israel is in white. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's perceived to be. Yes, that's um, all that matters. Right. To the progressive. So they break it down that if you're white, white privilege, or, you know, all of this stuff, then you owe a debt. And we, the progressive, are going to get that debt from you and then give it to our favored groups. That's what it's all about. Let's go to American politics now. If I am frequently asked to make predictions, I never make predictions, so you're totally free not to make one. And it's not really a prediction I'm asking, but what you think might happen. If if tomorrow it were Biden-Trump, who who do you think would win? So I'm not asking for a prediction. I'm, yeah, I'm, I, I got it. Um, you know, I come at this uh, from not only a journalistic point of view, but a history point of view. So I believe Trump would win, particularly because Robert Kennedy Jr. Uh, is showing in all the polls to be taking from Biden. So uh, if Trump would modify his presentation, which I don't think will happen, but it's possible, he would win by 10 points. At this point, he might win by four. And there are two reasons why. All right, give me the reasons when we come back. I don't want to interrupt you. I want to remind everybody that Bill O'Reilly has a magnificent series of history books. Magnificent. Every page is interesting. Killing the Witches is the latest in the Killing series. We'll be back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Decorate. 
Back to Bill O'Reilly, and I had asked him about the uh, if if there were a Trump Biden election tomorrow, what he thinks would happen. And then you you were saying he you think if he if he actually controlled his speech, he'd win by ten points. And if he spoke, continued to speak like he does, somewhat like a wild man, uh, then uh, he would win by four points. And then you were going to add two points. Yeah, that's about it. Um, RFK Jr. Um, taking a little bit away from Biden. There are two essential reasons why uh, people uh, in the independent side are uh, gravitating toward Trump now. And the first one is they're paying more for essentials. It's very simple. Uh, the Biden people will try to uh, petty fog the issue with macroeconomics, you know, this unemployment, that we created this, and it's all a bunch of bull. Uh, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to the gas station, when you go out to eat in a restaurant, you know what's happening. And right. um, it, it is dramatically higher, everything, than under Donald Trump, period. That's it. Okay. And the second thing is the border. Um, Americans know that President Biden is solely responsible for the border. There's nobody else but him. Today, he could write an executive order. Dennis, and I'm sure you would do it if you were president, that says we're going to suspend all asylum claims for a year because we can't adjudicate them. So nobody can uh, um, claim asylum to the United States for 12 months. That stops it cold. Everybody then that's uh, at the border gets turned back. Everybody. And Biden won't do it. Biden wants this for whatever reason, whatever crazy progressive reason he wants it. Give give, give your don't. thought on what that crazy progressive reason or reasons might be. I think it's scattered. I think some people want the uh, complexion, and I mean that literally and figuratively, of some, some states like Arizona and Nevada to change, as California has. You're a lifelong Californian, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been Nearly. out there a long time. Yeah, right, since 76. Right. Ronald Reagan could never get elected today. In California, <laughs> that's correct. You know, it's a it's a one party state, and the infusion of uh, foreign nationals into California has changed everything. And so, anybody who uh, knows anything about political science that knows that could happen in Texas, in Arizona, it's already happened in New Mexico. Um, and so that there is that, and then there is what we talked about a little bit earlier, that the white people have got to uh, be thrown out. And the favored minority groups have got to be put in. So the white people have no right to keep anyone out of the United States with a fence or anything else. Uh, everybody uh, should come on in. And that's a progress. People say to me, oh, that's impossible. They really don't think that way. Yeah, they do. Just go to San Francisco. And you'll see it right before your eyes. They don't believe in punishing criminals. They don't believe that there's any obligation on the part of uh, the authorities to impose protections for people. Civil disorder is fine with the progressive movement. They, people don't believe it, Dennis, but it's true. So I have my own theories, but I'm, I'm obviously having you on to hear yours. Why do people in San Francisco, Portland, and the like, watching their cities rot, beautiful cities, 
magnificent yeah. cities be destroyed, why do they continue to vote Democrat? Because the Democratic Party uh, in those towns, it's like New York City is in one. And I lived in Portland, and obviously I'm a lifelong New Yorker. Um, they have a stranglehold on the uh, system. So it's called a machine. So Multnomah County in Portland, Oregon, um, they control um, pretty much how the ballots are phrased. I mean, they legalize narcotics in Oregon, and that's been a big, the biggest disaster in Oregon's history. There's been nothing worse than that. And now they're rescinding it to some extent. But the damage that's done uh, before people start to say, no, we can't have this, is incalculable. So, yeah, logical people would say, well, why are you electing this? And where I live in Nassau County and Suffolk County, Long Island, more than 3 million people here now, it's gone from blue to red. These two counties, people, because these are working people here, and they're going, going, no, we're not going to do this anymore. It shifted. Wait, so Uh, so wait a minute. So they're not working people in Portland and San Francisco? You know, if you go to San Francisco and Portland, working people can't afford to live in San Francisco. Uh So, okay, so you're saying the... The, the wealthy, college-educated, yeah. the elites. Okay, so I'll, let's delve even further. The elites have to step over feces, too. So they don't care? No, they, they basically care, but the solution is not to punish anybody who does these things. It's like a bad parent. Okay, how many, all of us know bad parents whose kids run wild, correct? Of course. Parents love their children most of the time, but they're so screwed up, they're so neurotic, they can't raise the kids because they refuse to impose discipline on children, which children have to have. It's the same thing that these city council members are, oh, no, no, these are victims, these uh, heroin addicts, no, you can't, you know, they need this and they need that, but you can't tell them what to do. And if they want to put a needle in their neck next to your five-year-old child, they have a right to do that. That's what they believe. It's, in, it's insanity. But that's what they believe. All right. Well, you still have time? Yeah, sure. Bill O'Reilly is my guest He has a series of books out that I personally recommend because I read them. It is about as good a way to learn history as I know because every page is simply the facts interestingly presented. It's the Killing series. The latest is Killing the Witches, the horror of Salem, Massachusetts. Back in a moment. O'Reilly of the No Spin News Podcast and Radio Show and the wildly popular killing series, the latest Killing the Witches. Talking now about American politics. Uh, I always tell people, Bill, and so obviously I'm telling you that uh, 
when I watch these debates, and frankly, I don't watch all all of them. I watch a part of them. That too is depressing. It's sort of like what has happened to the debate since Kennedy Nixon is what has happened to San Francisco and Portland and other cities. They have just deteriorated. Do you have that sense when you watch these debates? Well, I I know who the people are, so I'm a little bit different than just the people who are watching our information. So I understand what DeSantis and Haley and Trump and Gavin Newsom and on and on and on. I know what they're doing. And I know how they've been trained. So these people, uh, it's like a prize fight. It's like Rocky Eight. They train for the debates. And they're told, look, if you don't like the question, evade it. Don't answer it. Go into something else. You know, spin it positive, whatever. You know, something interesting happened in the break, Dennis, um, when uh, I was uh, hanging on to talk to you, continue our conversation. A column was uh, forwarded to me by Al Hunt. Do you know Al Hunt? Yeah, I know who he is. Yeah, I don't know him. Very very liberal guy. Mm -hmm. Because we were talking about, you know, how can these wealthy, uh, liberal, progressive people, right before their eyes, Uh how how can they, you know, explain or rationalize away San Francisco and Portland, Oregon, and other places? How can they do it in Chicago? All right. Al Hunt just wrote in a column that... Joe Biden is perhaps the most successful one-term president in history. Now, he believes that. In reality, Joe Biden is the second worst president in American history. Who do you think was first, Johnson? No, James Buchanan. Uh Millions of people died because of James Buchanan. Uh He was a president before Lincoln. Yeah. He wouldn't take any action against the rebellious South that grew in strength in his administration. He did absolutely nothing. He was the only bachelor so- president, you see? Men should get married. Well, he was gay. Uh, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> I I did not know that. Uh, yeah, I- we're writing a book on the president oh, of Yon September. Uh-huh. Oh, that's... So you, you, have, you have as close to proof as you can get that he was gay? Well, I lived with a guy for 22 years. Uh-huh. Well, that's suggestive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't care. No, no, I, I, I'm with you. I understand. Yeah, but, I mean, but right. if you live with a guy for 22 years... Uh-huh. And, and you don't get married, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good. Right. So, anyway, um, you know, people believe what they want to believe. And that's the key to this whole... Uh, American political system today. Forgive me, I got to return to this because it's sort of, you know, it it takes me a moment to recuperate from being hit in the head. Al Hunt wrote that Biden is the most successful single term president. One of the most. Yes. Just wrote it. It just broke because I get, you know, my news operation is run by me and I've got a great staff and they just funnel constantly stuff and I'm, I'm, and I know Hunt. well this I, shows I what I have said for years the gap between left and right is unbridgeable if you believe That's men true. give birth if you believe Biden is a good president uh, with all respect we have nothing in common well one sector lives in reality and the that's other right. doesn't that's, that's right Okay. now you're asking about the debates 
our politicians in America are frightened. And it's just like the college presidents. And when you're frightened about people attacking you, coming after you, losing, losing your job, losing the race, okay, then you are going to pull your punches to use a cliche. You're going to say, tell people what they want to hear. And that's what you're getting. And I'm going to leave you with one more thought. The reason that Donald Trump is going to win the Republican nomination and people like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, and Haley is a very smart woman who could more easily beat Biden than Trump. Mm-hmm. If Haley were the nominee, she'd win by 10 to 15, okay? But she can't beat Trump in the primary. DeSantis has run Florida really well. All right, hold it there. This is really interesting. Back in a moment with Bill O'Reilly. Yes, it is the Ultimate Issues Hour on the Dennis Prager Show, the third hour every Tuesday. I want you to know that Sean McConnell particularly looks forward to the Ultimate Issues Hour. There's a, there's a certain sprint to his gate on Tuesdays. Well, sprint might be over, overstating the issue. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Today's subject is in the news. And it's the subject of my column. It's a pure coincidence that my column comes out on the same day, Tuesdays, that the Ultimate Issues Hour is broadcast. And The topic is the topic of my column today. Yes, it's titled, Yes, Anti-Zionism is Anti-Semitism. So I'm going to read to you from the column, because I I think my case is ironclad. And before I even read to you, let me make this clear. If you're anti-American, it doesn't mean you hate every American. In order to qualify as anti-Semitism, it doesn't mean you have to hate every single Jew. But if you advocate for the violent eradication, or even for that matter, non-violent, but that wouldn't happen, eradication of a country, whether or not you hate every member of the national group of that country is irrelevant. You are a hater of that group. And that's how I began my column, or begin my column. Imagine a group of people who work to destroy Italy because they claim Italy's origins are illegitimate. Imagine further that these people maintain that of all the countries in the world, only Italy doesn't deserve to exist. Then imagine that these people vigorously deny that they are anti-Italian. Would you believe them? We, would, we, we are doing everything we can to destroy Italy. But hey, we're not anti-Italian. Now substitute Israel for Italy. 
and you'll understand the dishonesty and absurdity of the argument that one can be anti-Zionist, that is, against the existence of a Jewish state, but not be anti-Jew. Yet, that is precisely what anti-Zionists say. They say that Israel's existence is illegitimate. They don't say this about any other country in the world, no matter how bloody its origins, and then they get offended when they're accused of being anti-Jew. How can they make this argument? First, they change the topic. They say it's unfair to charge those who merely criticize Israel with being anti-Semitic. No one says criticism of Israel is anti-Semitic. But anti-Zionism isn't criticism of Israel. Anti-Zionism is opposition to Israel's existence. Is that clear, everybody? Can I get clearer? I'm pro-Jew, but I'm against the existence of a Jewish state. I'm pro-Italian, but I'm against the existence of an Italian state. God. Zionism is the name of the movement for the return of the Jews to their historic homeland. Over the past 3,000 years, there were only two independent states located in what is called Israel. Both were Jewish states, and invaders destroyed both. No Arab or Muslim or any other sovereign country ever existed in that land, which was given the name Palestine by the Romans so as to remove all memory of the Jewish state they destroyed in the year 70. Second, anti-Zionists claim they can't be anti-Jew because Zionism has nothing to do with Judaism. That is the same as saying Italy has nothing to do with being Italian. Judaism has always consisted of three components, God, Torah, and Israel, the people Israel, and the land of Israel. Israel is as much a part of Judaism as our God and the Bible. Moreover, the most pro-Israel, i.e. the most Zionist Jews, are the Orthodox, the most religious Jews. That there exists one tiny group of ultra-Orthodox Jews, Naturi Karta, that is anti-Zionist means nothing. They are as representative of Judaism as the Ku Klux Klan is of Christianity. Third, anti-Zionists claim that Judaism is only a religious, is only a religion. Therefore, Jews are only members of a of a religion, not a nation. But the Jews are called a nation more than one hundred times in the Bible. That is why there can be irreligious, secular, and even atheist Jews, because Jews are not only a religion but a people, a nation. No one thinks non-religious Jews are not Jews. There can be no atheist Christians because Christianity is a religion, not a nation. Fourth, people point to anti-Zionist Jews to prove that anti-Zionism isn't anti-Jewish. That would be like pointing to Americans who gave Stalin the secrets to the atom bomb to argue that siding with the Soviet Union in the Cold War was not anti-American. Or to provide another Jewish example, it would be like pointing Jews who eat pork on Yom Kippur to argue that eating pork on Yom Kippur is Jewish. What Jews do or believe is not always the same as Judaism. Fifth, anti-Zionists claim that Israel is illegitimate. 
because Zionism, and therefore Israel, is racist. This is a libel. Half of Israel's Jews are not even white, and anyone of any race or ethnicity can become a Jew. Furthermore, one in five Israelis isn't a Jew. And these Israeli non-Jews, mostly Arab Muslims, have the same rights as Jewish Israelis. As for Israel's presence in the West Bank and Gaza, Israel completely abandoned Gaza in 2005, that has nothing to do with race and everything to do with security. It is because the Palestinians and other Arabs tried to destroy Israel in 1967 and lost the war. If the Palestinians would stop killing Israelis, Israel would have no problem with a, quote, two-state solution. But Palestinians have rejected offers to have their own state on four separate occasions since 1947. That is the only reason they don't have their own state. And why have they always rejected having a Palestinian state? Because the only state they would accept is one that eradicates Israel. They have therefore been solely dedicated to destroying the Jewish state, not in having their own state alongside Israel. Sixth and finally, anti-Zionists claim that Israel's origins are illegitimate. Of all the world's 200-plus countries, the only country anti-Zionists declare illegitimate is also the only Jewish one. That's pretty much all you need to know about their motives. Why don't they make this claim about Pakistan? In 1947, nine months before the establishment of Israel, India was partitioned into a Muslim state, Pakistan, and a Hindu state, India. Just as Palestine was partitioned into a Jewish state, Israel, and an Arab one, Palestine. But unlike Israel, no Pakistan had ever existed. And unlike Israel's founding, which created 700,000 Jewish refugees and 700,000 Arab refugees, the founding of Pakistan created about 7 million Muslim refugees from India and about 7 million Hindu refugees from Pakistan. Why is Pakistan legitimate and Israel is not? Every Salem talk show host knows those words. Very remarkable group. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager. By the way, a great Christmas, truly great Christmas gift uh, is uh, my rational Bible, my commentary on the Bible. It's got almost 5,000 reviews on Amazon. People's lives are changed by it. And they're beautifully printed. The Prager store has autographed copies and 50% off. I don't know how they're doing it, but they are. Or you can obviously get it regularly through Amazon or anywhere else. The Rational Bible. Three of the five volumes are out. The fourth volume comes out next year. If you have Genesis and Exodus, please get Deuteronomy. It's the most cited book by the founders of the country, more than any secular or religious work.
the Rational Bible. Phone number is 1-8-Prager-776. I have been making the case here. I read to you, and the piece is up at DennisPrager.com, that anti-Zionism is indistinguishable from anti-Semitism. And the, it shows you it, the ability to say lies enough work. That's why people say men give birth, or it's fair for men to compete with women in women's sports. They hear something enough. You want to destroy the Jewish state, but you're not anti-Jew. Why? Because you don't hate every Jew? Does every anti-American hate every American? I mean, the, it shows you the ease with which people stop thinking rationally. You don't have to hate every American to be anti-American. You don't have to hate every Jew to be anti-Jewish. Yeah, we, we would like to eradicate the Jews of Israel and eradicate the state of Israel, but hey, please don't call us anti-Semitic. So if you have any questions or comments about that or disagree, 1-8-Prager-776-877-243-777. is the number. A lot of people are confused, completely understandably, even many Jews. Are the Jews a people slash nation, or are they a religion? The answer is both. Christianity is a religion. America is a nation. So it's, it's, I guess the closest would be India. Hinduism, there's a Hindu nation, and Hinduism is a religion. So you are born a Hindu, and you can... Now, here's an interesting question. I, I, I think that... Hindu scholars are divided on whether you can convert to Hinduism. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, that is not universally acknowledged in either direction. But it is universally acknowledged you can become a Jew, anybody on earth of any race or background. So if you have any questions about this or you have your own thoughts, one eight Prager. 776. In the meantime, we have a, a hatred unlike any other. The hatred of Jews is unique in the history of, of hatreds. It's unique because it's exterminationist. Hamas is in the long line of those who wish to exterminate the Jews. Do you know I read to you from the, at the opening of my show, I discovered, I didn't even remember writing it, 2005, I had a piece in the Los Angeles Times, when the Los Angeles Times still published me, which it did regularly until it became a left-wing propaganda sheet. Uh, It actually had diverse voices on its opinion pages. As recently... And as far back, either way, as 2005. And I wrote then that the the university was the incubator of anti-Semitism. Isn't that amazing? That was my article 18 years ago. It shows you how long, how long this is going on. The reason for my silence is I was thinking about whether to enter the subject of the loss of prestige 
that the prestigious colleges have inflicted on themselves. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, even though I've always had contempt for the colleges, I, I acknowledge their prestige. I, I think that their prestige has taken a big hit. Those three professor, those three professors, presidents of MIT, University of Pennsylvania, and Harvard, were such morons that uh, just on that alone, not just that they were amoral and, and sounded like moral idiots, they they didn't come across as particularly bright. The, and if there's anything you better come across as if you're the president of Harvard, Penn, or MIT is really bright. What? But th- there is something that happens to the brain when you enter wokeness. It ceases to be a particularly sophisticated part of the human being. And that is uh, what happened. Okay, let's go to Sacramento and Steve. Hello, Steve. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. When I was a young man in my frisky days, I remember being fortunate enough to be uh, in flagrante with a a Jewish girl, real pretty, but all she could talk about was her kibbutz experience, and so nothing happened. And it struck me that they have this uh, tendency to cloister amongst only Jews. If you're not Jewish, they won't read with you. And I think over time, this has not accounted only for their bald spots and poor vision, but also for the fact that everyone resents that exclusivity they've bred into themselves. And I think uh, that's why the world resented them. Like, why are you keeping to yourself so much? Why don't you spread it? Don't you trust us? And the, and the distrust began there. And I think not only physical deficiencies have been sprouting because of that, I think they don't think anything of Stephen King killing John Lennon. They were behind all that. They're, oh, they- I see. I wasted my time and my listeners' time. The Jews are behind everything. I, I, had you heard that, Sean, that the Jews are behind the killing of John Lennon? That's a new one, i got to say. It's, it's hard to keep up with what the Jews are behind. It, it, it's, I'm not sure there are enough Jews even to be behind all that. I must admit, a lifetime spent not only among Christians but among Jews, and they're not behind anything. What? I never met all of these, any of these Jews. But I have a comment on that in any event. It, it's, it's worthy of commenting on. Just like the ones I used to know. Hello, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Is anti-Zionism different from anti-Semitism? My column this week is on that, that, that they're, they're the same. You can't want to destroy the Jewish state, support those who wish to destroy all of its inhabitants, and then say, oh, I'm not anti-Semitic. Remember, anti-Semite doesn't mean you hate every single Jew. Anti-American doesn't mean you hate every American. And yet there is such a thing as anti-American without hating every American, correct? Okay, so I think that that analogy stands. So I had this caller 
who uh, blames the Jews for killing John Lennon. See, I kept him on the whole time because I wanted to address his issues, which I differed with, but at least they were cogent. Once you get, though, into the fevered world of Jews are behind everything, and why exactly would Jews, what does it even mean Jews would want? Are Jews united? The Jews did X, the Jews did Y. It's like saying the whites. The whites did, yeah. Did the whites have slaves? Yes. So the whites also led the anti-slavery movement. So both are true. So there's no such thing as the whites anymore as the Jews. Do I have anything in common with George Soros? Do I have one thing in common other than we're both homo sapiens? No. Yet we're both born Jews. It's amazing how, for the left, how you identify is everything, right? You identify as a man or a woman, then you're a man or a woman. George Soros does not identify as a Jew, but, hey, everybody calls him a Jew. All right, let's uh, let's see what else you folks have to uh, have to say here. Mm, Havertown, Pennsylvania. Bob, hello. Hello, Dennis. Where where's Havertown? It's about ten miles uh, west of Philadelphia. Okay, thank you. Uh, so I had a I was wondering if you could clear up the Palestine. As a state issue, I, I I'm confused, and I think you mentioned it again today that the Romans named it Palestine after they destroyed the Jewish state in 70 A.D. Mm-hmm. And you, but sometimes you reference it in your book why the Jews uh, as Palestine. So was there a Palestine? There isn't a Palestine. No, there was uh, never. The, not, Palestine is a geographic area. And as you correctly noted, it was given by the Romans. It's not an Arab name. It's a Roman name. And the Romans did that to obliterate the the Jewish name of Israel or Judea. That, that was what they did. Once they destroyed the Jewish state, they renamed the area. But there has never been a Palestinian state. In fact, in the early 20th century, the Jews thought of Palestine as a Jewish name. The Jerusalem Post was called the Palestine Post. The Israel mm-hmm. Symphony was called the Palestine Symphony. Mm-hmm. The United Jewish Appeal, the way to raise Jew, world Jewry raised funds for, for Israel, was called the United Palestine Appeal. Palestine was, at the time, a Jewish term. Okay. So the uh, geographical location Palestine encompasses encompasses every all the area of Israel. Yeah, or just the Gaza. Uh, no, no, no. Area. All all of the area of Israel. That's right. The, and the West Bank. Okay. Good. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate yeah. your uh, clearing that up for me. Well, not more than I appreciate your wanting it cleared up. Yes, there was no, there was never a Palestine. It's like saying Central America. Yes, there was a geographic entity called Central America, but there was no Central American state. That is exactly right. 
Bob in Frankfurt, Germany. Hello. Hello, I cherish you, Dennis Berger. Thank so you. in uh, Matthew 24, the New Testament, uh, Jesus quoted, was talking to his disciples, but he made a statement that ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake in the last days. Now, I think he meant the whole Jewish nation. I don't know exactly. I think he meant those who followed him because it was for my name's sake which he frequently speaks about in the Gospels, about being hated if you supported him. All right, thank you, and thank you for listening in Germany. Dennis Prager here. Thanks for listening to the Daily Dennis Prager Podcast. To hear the entire three hours of my radio show, commercial-free, every single day, become a member of PragerTopia. You'll also get access to 15 years' worth of archives, as well as the daily show prep. Subscribe at PragerTopia.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.